0: Um, hi, this is Kevin Richards uh, from the University of Illinois coming back with another episode of Going Behind the Research. Uh, today, uh, we have Scott McNamara from the University of New Hampshire, uh, who's going to talk with us about uh, his recent uh, publication um, that, that actually I'm a co-author on, which is uh, the first time that, that uh, uh, we'll be talking about uh, a paper that, um, that, that I have such intimate knowledge of in the sense that I contributed. Uh, on, on going behind the research. So that'll be exciting. So uh, this paper was just ac- accepted in the Journal of Teaching and Physical Education is now available ahead of print and we'll link um, to the article in the show notes as we always do. Uh, the title is Adapted Physical Educators' Experiences with School Administrators and Marginalization. And, and just to give you a quick reminder, um, rather than providing a forum to discuss research that's conducted in health and physical education, The Going Behind the Research segment focuses on telling the stories that surround research uh, we read in scholarly journals. Globally, the segment aims to humanize research by providing a forum to discuss the motives that draw researchers towards topics and studies, challenges and successes experienced along the way, and the lessons learned that transcend individual journal publications and impact future research decisions. Each episode uh, features an interview with one or more members of an authorship team to discuss the stories behind the selected publication, Um, and uh, while we use a common set of questions uh, to guide all of the conversations, we also uh, go off script and end up end up never really getting through all of the questions that we have planned uh, but but that's a, that's kind of the framing behind what we're doing just as a reminder so so scott uh welcome uh to the podcast and, and thank you thank you so much for being here uh, and this is kind of cool because uh we we're doing a little bit of a crossover thing here i was a guest on your podcast um uh, recently and and now we are, we're happy to host you on going behind the research
1: yeah thank you is can you hear me Okay, my the last two times, like when I zoom with
0: you, I don't know what it is. (laughs) There have been some kind of weird things on with the Zoom. You're right, but but yeah, I I can hear you loud and clear. Awesome. Okay, so
1: uh, yeah, thank you, Kevin, for having me on uh, this podcast platform. And yeah, we just did like we just had another conversation last week that's going to be on my podcast called "What's New in Adapted Physical Education," Uh, and I really appreciate you having uh, me on here to talk about. A the recent paper that we co-authored along with Alyssa Trad, who's a doctoral student at your university, as well as Serena uh, Abdullah and Lauren Hill, who are undergraduate students, I think in the College of Health, and uh, they really like they were wonderful to work with as well. So super excited to acknowledge them as well, and very excited to be on the podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you, Scott. Yeah, we um um we we have kind of a a pretty neat uh setup at the University of Illinois uh, in, in our department of um uh kinesiology and community health where where students regularly um register for research hours to work with faculty in different labs. And uh we've been fortunate to work with some really talented undergrads and uh, Serena and Lauren are, are great examples of that. Um contributed to to this study really um uh, f- for the majority of the time that we worked on it and, and earned co-authorship on it. Um, so uh, that, that that's kind of a special thing. Um, so, so before we get behind the research, Scott, uh, if you could start off just by giving us a brief overview of the study uh, with a reminder that, again, the article is going to be linked in the show notes of today's episode for anybody who's interested in reading more.
1: So, um, yeah, broadly uh, speaking, this study, it was... You know, we're trying to tackle an area that really has little research around it. Um, I did a scoping review a few years ago on school administrators and physical education broadly and the intersection of database articles over 20 year period and uh, we'd found 29 articles, but uh there is very few that had any commonalities in between those twenty-nine. And when you talk about such an important group of people, um, in the physical education realm, I think it's a it's it's not healthy in our field not to have any focus on them. So that's really kind of what originated a lot of this stuff. Um, And I thought that bringing, and we started collaborating to bring the occupational socialization theory into this, which I thought was an awesome, you know, application of the theory to understand how adaptive physical educators are being socialized in the context of their experiences with their administrators. Um, And so, yeah, um, you know, just, Broadly speaking, um, you know, we did interviews with 24 AP teachers in the state of California, and we did California because they have a much more defined definition of what adapted physical education is compared to other states. So that allowed us to be a little bit more, um, I guess, precise in what an adapted physical education is and isn't. And then uh, we interviewed them and uh, over a few week period, and we found a a variety of themes, um, four to be precise. In this paper, we did do a second paper because the 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 interviews were so robust. And what we found, and I'll just say generally, is that uh, and this might not be a huge surprise, but that APE teachers often felt um, marginalized, unheard, unsupported uh, with with in their experiences, and, and that contributed to that general overall marginalization but um if i just from my opinion and view of this is that i think they play a, a pretty significant role in that marginalization factor that i know a lot of your research has also kind of um tried to tackle and stuff and again i just think it's a neglected area uh within the entirety of the physical education uh literature which i think is a bummer
0: yeah yeah you're right about that you know i think that a lot of the socialization literature is focused on the socialization of physical education teachers themselves Um, but i think it's important that that um, we extend that and also look at the way that other key stakeholders have been socialized like school administrators uh, and how they exert socialization forces or influences on physical educators, um, and, and you know that 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 kind of coupled with the fact that that socialization research and adapted physical education is really less than less than ten years old for the most part. Um, it, it's still an area that that uh, is experiencing growth. So, um, was definitely excited about uh, the opportunity to work with you on this, given those goes those, those circumstances. Um, so. Um, let, let's start broad, uh, w- with, uh, with kind of getting the stories behind what happened here. Uh, so, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, supplementing or adding to a, a little bit of what you had just talked about. Um, what are some of the things that got you interested originally in, in this research topic or area more generally? And, and then how does this fit in with your broader line of inquiry or line of research?
1: Yeah. You know, I, those are, are, our... Philosophical questions. I think they get really deep. Um, you know, there was a, a a short time in my career when I was going into my PhD that I thought I wanted to be a school administrator or um, conduct research all exclusively on that. There was a very short time uh, window where that I was really focused in on that, and uh, that kind of began that aspect. Um, I got a cognate, my like kind of minor or whatever it is in my PhD on educational leadership as well. Um, something that really, I won't say their name at the moment. I have said their name in the past and I've said this quote, but, um, a really senior colleague of mine, um, talked to me while I was in my PhD as well. And he told, we talked about school administrators cause he had done his school ministry. He did his dissertation a-, a while back and on school administrators. And I was calling him cause I said, I can't find anything else on this stuff. Like, you know, and he, he said, he told me that uh, he sees school administrators as public enemy number one <laughs> for the field of adaptive physical education. And he said that it, it, the, the, the literature aspect of it is so difficult. And and the liter- and what I've seen now is the literature backs this up is that they're a really difficult population to um, accurately um, include in studies because of um, they're overworked, they're managing a lot of priorities, Oftentimes um, they are somewhat like politicized as well. So they're a little bit more less likely to provide maybe, um, you know, to be fully, fully transparent and, and, and stuff like that. So um, anyways, that's, that's, that's somewhat how I got started. in, it, And I think even just when I was teaching as well, seeing just how much school administrators, you know, the resources they could provide you, the, the time they could provide you. Uh, and so on and so forth, and just seeing that power uh, structure. Um, so I guess that's how I got interested in it. And uh, and I guess one other thing is, you know, when a lot of adaptive physical educators get around, uh, get around each other, we often talk about, uh, yep. you know, issues that are occurring. And I felt like one of the issues that I often heard about was school administrators. And again, um, you know, there is a, a nice term we see a lot in papers or something there's a dearth of uh, of literature around this topic and not just in the occupational socialization world that you know i wasn't trying to call that specific area out in like that gap right it's really it's widespread yeah um and, and we really uh we have to better understand how the stakeholder um which i really think is quite a prominent one could be they're they're one of the major gatekeepers to resources to um you know even the atmosphere and uh and then the value towards physical education and we saw this in some of the interviews that there were exceptions um you know a few exceptions that they said i have really supportive and and it seemed like when they had supportive administrators that changed their entire view of their job how they felt valued um, you know, those, those negative cases really made the point of how important those administrators are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Scott, that, that, that's, that's lovely. And I think really great framing for what, for what, uh, kind of got you interested in studying administrators, um, a little bit more broadly. Um, and, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I think that this maybe kind of lets us, uh, kind of segue a bit into the next question, um, uh, and, and I'll let you answer that first and then I'll kind of layer in with how I got involved in this particular study, if you don't mind, because there were some overlaps and things that we were doing that kind of made this feel real natural. Um, but so narrowing the focus a little bit, could you tell us about the circumstances surrounding this particular study? What set you to what, you know, um, what, what kind of brought you to this particular set of research questions or this, this purpose statement?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's a few other papers and and, and research, uh, you know, projects I've done around school administrators, and um, you know, and and they mostly had been either I did some intervention stuff with podcasting earlier on in my dissertation, and then I did quite a few surveys as well, and uh, those surveys, you know, I felt like didn't always get to the heart of how they felt about adapted physical education, and so that that was the beginning, and actually. Um, you know, we, what we did initially to create these surveys um, that were based more on the theory of plan behavior. And uh, we have published a little bit with them. And I think in the, the, the um, journal of school leadership, which is also something I try to do is publish a little bit in their journals as well. But um, anyways, we use elicitation questions initially to develop those. And I did like nine kind of interviews with no IRB and didn't collect the data. You know, I didn't Use it for publication reasons, but my memory was how how interesting those elicitation questions were uh, compared to maybe or you know and provide a lot more context than the survey results.
0: Absolutely, and that I think really speaks to some of the benefits of of combining and using different methodological approaches across studies. You know, some things. Uh, we can get through surveys are really robust, but it's not the same that we can get through um, interviews at times. Uh, uh, and so being able to go more in depth with an interview approach, um, you know, targeting fewer participants uh, allows us to hear those stories. Um, you know, my my involvement with this study, I think, was kind of interesting. Um, m- maybe you remember this. Uh, but uh, but I I just so happen to have been working on a um, a similar project looking at physical education teachers' relationships with their school administrators. Um, you know, we've uh, we've since invited you on board, and and, and now you're you're working with uh, Chris Kinder and I as we we finish that project up along with the the rest of our team. Um, but uh, you know th- th- that we were kind of just in the early phases of that project. Uh, and and you had sent me a message and asked um, if I would review an interview guide that you had put together for this one, um, and uh, I, I I maybe a little bit presumptuously wrote back and said um, you know happy to do that, but but if you're looking for a collaborator, um, we're we're doing some similar work here as well that I think um, would w- would dovetail real nicely, and in in that initial communication kind of set us off on on this path and uh, has led to. Uh, to really, what, what I think has been fruitful collaboration with, um, you know, the, this paper uh, impress. We have another one um, also off the same project that's uh, in the second round of review, and then we have other things that that uh, that we're doing together. So it just shows that sometimes one simple email can uh, can can ignite a collaboration and a partnership. Um, so so that that's kind of what brought me into this. I had other things going on, and you know that that were kind of in the same area, and um, after chatting, it, it made sense to work together.
1: Absolutely, no, I definitely remember it, and I was excited for the email, and I think it changed the, the direction. Obviously, it, uh, we were kinda look at this like qualitative descriptive study, and uh, you helped out a lot with that methodology. Um, and honestly, it was a, a, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I really, I, I love collaborating with people with strong methodology, Uh, Backgrounds, and I love observing and learning from them. And I really felt like I got that experience working with you, and uh, you know, seeing your process and applying it. It was it was a phenomenal experience
0: for me. Oh well, Scott, I learned a lot from you as well, Um, and I think that that's the nice thing when you work with work with uh, you know good colleagues. Um, uh, We're able to kind of take away a lot of things from each other. Um, and, and it's been a really formative experience as well for, for Alyssa and some of the undergraduates who've worked with us. So, um, appreciate that, uh, of course. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about the process of, 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 of this, of setting up this study and the methods that you used, uh, what, what did you learn from a methodological perspective that perhaps you've carried with you, um, you know, into your research from this study?
1: Yeah. So I mean again, Kevin, and you can add in on this, but I learned a lot from you, uh, because we originally I think we're going to this qualitative descriptive. We were kind of um I was we had worked with a the theory of plan behavior with these things. Um, and so we kind of set on another path and I had read some of your literature, but we definitely, you know, that was the aspect that you brought in, which I thought was and it really, really helpful and, and great. And and I've again, I learned a lot and I think it added a lot of layers to this. And so we use a phenomenological design uh, where we wanted to really understand how uh, adapted physical educators socially construct uh, their realities and their professions. And so that's, you know, broadly speaking, um, what we use to kind of like as our our lens in here and uh, moving forward, though. and, And again, this is something that I think that you are an expert in is we used a uh, multi-phase collaborative approach um, with, with uh, our interviews, which is really based on your methodology. So, I mean, I can definitely detail it and please add context, but um, broadly speaking, what we did is, um, you know, we did our interviews and we can talk about that in a second too, but we did interviews and we, uh, we divided that up between you, myself, and Alyssa, who is, uh, is a doctoral student. And um, we uh, did that. I think all within like a week or so. So it was a, a pretty quick time frame. And then after we did that, um, you know, we we got the transcripts for them, and then we met several times to kind of we reviewed them briefly, you know, reviewed them and, and discussed them. And then what we did is the undergraduate students got trained under Alyssa, and to review the data and they looked at the data and they did everything together. And then we came together, I think it was every week or every other week, and uh, the, the undergraduate students started to code those things under the direction of a doctoral student. And then we served as kind of theoretical literature uh, experts, quote unquote, that kind of bounced their ideas and questions on the definitions of the code book that we were developing and so on and so forth. And um, at, you know, as that happened, we then created this kind of rough draft of a code book, and then um, with with using just a few of the interviews and then we started to pilot test those codes against different interviews. And uh once we filed and then we came back, refined it again, and then we went through and started coding everything. Um and so yeah, I thought it was and I thought it was a really, really seamless and rigorous process that we did. Um, you know, um I'll pause there if you wanna, you know, what and this one other thing is, I'll say is, and I think in some ways it's a positive, or it is a positive. It's just I think I've done a lot of, um, I, I've gone back and forth from that deductive inductive approach with qualitative research, and I found this to be more deductive. However, I think it kind of makes sense with like the use of our theory and stuff like that, which you know is very like, you know, constructs and stuff are are kind of you know those are. Uh, defined aspects that are, you know, I think that lend themselves well to that deductive approach. So I, I enjoyed it thoroughly and I learned a lot and I felt like we did a really good, uh, job of really, really analyzing that data in a thorough and rigorous way.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you know, your kind words again, Scott. Um, you know, wh- one of the things that I took away from this, um, where, where, the role of the reflexive notes, um, th- that, that were captured through interviews, um, you know, that, that was, uh, that was something that you brought to the methodology that, that I had not really experienced before. So this idea of, of, of taking kind of notes through the process of conducting an interview, almost, almost like field notes of the interview, and, and then including those as kind of a supplemental data source, um, uh, when you, when you go through analysis. So, um. That that I thought was a, a really good strategy and way to to kind of include our our perspectives and thoughts as researchers. Um, but but I guess the only other thing that I'll touch on there is you, you kind of alluded to the multi level kind of a, a multi level tiered system that we use to for analysis, where you know you and I kind of served as methodological and content experts, theoretical experts. Um, Alyssa as member of the research team um, you know, kind of led the, the, the analysis or at least the logistics of it. Um, and then Lauren and Serena, um, our undergraduate students, um, did the primary analysis and, and I want to really pause and emphasize that because, um, you know, it really speaks to, to, to a, what undergraduate students are able to accomplish when, when you train them and empower them, um, uh, and B, um, you know, Serena and Lauren specifically, uh, you know ha- how quickly and well they caught on uh, to to what we were doing and and learned about um, adapted physical education, which was not a field that that they had a lot of contact with previously. Um, and they were able to really do a nice job with the analysis, of course, guided by by us and by Alyssa. Um, but 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 I found you know in in my position um, working with doctoral students um, and having the ability to work with undergrads it's been really rewarding to put research teams together and use it also as you know really good hands-on experience and training uh for grad and undergrad students who might you know have a future in research themselves um so so that that that's been kind of a a fun thing that, that has crossed over several of uh, the projects that i've been involved with recently but but definitely came through here
1: yeah absolutely i was actually kind of Blown away with the undergraduate students um they were phenomenal um yeah they're like precision and you know again i think those weekly meetings that we did were just so helpful um obviously to the research process to be questioning everything um to really get refined into our codes and our our, you know it, it so um highly recommend and the reflexive notes what i love about the reflexive notes is you know there was, there was a few days where I did like five back to back interviews Mm. in a six hour period, you know, my, my connection in that moment of being able to kind of potentially find patterns or whatever is going to be really kind of strong because it's so, um, you know, in that moment. And so you can kind of get those contextual pieces in there as well as, you know, sometimes there's a giggle or a laugh or, you know, uh, or, you know, sarcasm, um, that doesn't come off in transcripts too well, but it does come off in conversation. So those are really nice notes to kind of have, and it keeps you engaged with the interview, I think as well, in a unique way.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, next question is, is probably the one that I've been looking forward to the most. We talked yeah. a little bit. Uh, we we talked a little bit off script about about where I thought, uh, or where we where we where we thought um, this might go, and what, it, what a good um, example might be. But um, <laughs> could you tell us any stories accompanying the process of completing this investigation um, that that give us a look under the hood? In bonus points uh, for for stories that make us laugh.
1: Uh yeah okay so that we had uh quite the i <laughs> where do I start with this one uh okay so I, I guess I'll start with like the story of it and then I'll explain what happened but um uh, I had a really uh, we had like all like you and and you you and I had interviews I think scheduled kind of at the same time like we began like eight a.m. on a Monday yeah right Thanksgiving like yeah it was yeah I was like pretty much back to back we had them for a, a minute. And you and I, like, uh, we did them, and I think I called you after. I said, how's a really strange one?" they didn't, they like, they didn't seem to have a lot of, like, they couldn't really tell me much. It was very, like, broad. And, uh, and you said, me too, you know? It was really weird. Me too, you know? It was like, you know, and uh, we then did, I think we did one more set. as like another back, and I said, I called you right away. And I said, there's no way. These
0: are adapted physically. Yeah, yeah. like they, they couldn't. They couldn't answer any of the questions. Yeah, like um, where they even be, were. <laughs> yeah, they had very, very like uh, deep accents. Um, yeah, and really difficult to understand. The connections weren't good. Um, yes. you know, and, Not, and that, none of them were on uh, video
1: either. And the, right, the video was optional. So yeah. we. So I. So what I did is I started, uh, we had a, a survey too, and then Qualatrix, it can kind of like find the location. Well, it looked like a bunch of these are coming from um, all the people that like completed and signed up. A lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them though, uh, like 15 uh, or 10 at least, uh, were like in Qatar. And I was like, that is weird. So- Especially because they're um, supposed to be in California, right? Yes. They're supposed to be in California. So I called my, I had a little, you know, you know, like little, uh, PhD anxiety, uh, moment and you know, this whole thing is ruined and all these things. And, uh, but so they were only the, so the first four we did were, um, not good. <laughs> we then, I call, I talked to my IRB, um, office. I called them right away and, uh, they walked me through what they wanted me to do. And I also taught, say, What also, so I think I, yeah, so they walked me through. I then, uh, we did like a quick amendment and it was like they were same day kind of thing and they worked with me. And basically I emailed everybody that was on the email list and then they had to respond with their work um, email. So I was only then going to, so they had to use their work email um, that was associated with the school in California. And that's how then we double checked it problem was solved. However, I got some angry emails yeah. from um people that were, I'm
0: pretty sure, from Qatar. Um yeah. but yeah um, um wouldn't provide uh in, the, the a work email yeah. I should say we had fifty dollar
1: or I think it was fifty dollar gift cards um uh stipends which you know when you have incentives and we have this broad kind of postings for our recruitment um, and that's how that happened. And, um, so that was really interesting. And, uh, but, um, yeah, I taught, and then I think that night or the next day I, um, the chair of the IRB or we had like a, we had an office for the IRB and they called me and they were like, they were like cracking up and they said, they've never heard of this. It makes sense <laughs> that it would happen at some point. And, you know, because the one thing that really saved us, is that um we didn't even start collecting the actual data that we used until after this situation cuz actually like, the first day was almost all people that were from Qatar I think
0: yep so yep.
1: um there's you know that was a really interesting um experience and I think we navigated it I think pretty I think I think we navigated it well um you know of uh, people that were yeah you know um so yeah, that was an interesting experience. Ah, and I'm happy to have moved on from it and I hope that it never happens again. Or yeah, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's obviously stipends and having open kind of post. It's um there is, I guess, a there's people out there it looked like it was a a group of people or an organization.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it was it was definitely something that I had never experienced before. Super, super unique situation. Um, but but it's like you know like what you're saying. After it happened, uh, I, I kind of took a step back and was like, okay, this makes sense. Like fifty dollars is a large enough incentive for for people to to try to to try to execute some sort of a scam. Um, and uh, you know you know leading into kind of the next question. Um, one of the things that, that I took away from this was that if, if I'm ever going to do like open calls on social media again, when there's an incentive, um, you know, having a way to capture a work email or a way to, to otherwise verify that they really are who they say they are. You know, a lot of the interview studies that, that we do, we just kind of assume that people are, or a lot of the, the, the surveys even that we do, we just kind of assume that people are representing themselves accurately. Um, and, and this just shows that that might not always be the safest assumption, but, but Scott, anything else, um, from this study that, that you're kind of taking away as a lesson learned? I mean, I
1: think the results were in the interviews themselves were, and I'm sure that you and Alyssa as well, that just engage with them and obviously the transcripts as well. But I think the amount of, um, you know when we would ask we had a question here that was about like how do school administrators um you know help you with your professional development needs and the answers to that which i don't think we were able to capture these papers um you know is effectively because most people couldn't answer it and then there was like laughter about almost you know on those things yeah um and i think do you know there were so many stories like that and things that we were better able to capture in our papers are like teachers saying that you know their administrators don't know their names um, they're not invited to holiday parties um you know staff meetings and then in services have nothing to do with what they're doing um you know that it really speaks to that being an island on your own for physical education and and maybe especially adapted physical educators that are more likely to be itinerant, more likely to be uh, an N of one sometimes in their own whole districts, even if they're large districts. So, um, you know, I, I think that what I gathered from this was just, you know, my, my hypothesis or whatever, that this was a, a major group that was contributing to marginalization and hearing that echoed very, very loudly. Um, throughout these interviews.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I agree with that assessment. And um it, it definitely kind of validates that that uh that theory that we went in uh went in with and we're we're looking to kind of evaluate. Um and I think it justifies continued work um both on on helping uh adapted physical education teachers better navigate relationships with their administrators and connecting with administrators to to help them better understand the role that they play and, and, and the ways that they can be supportive and how, um, how, how sometimes they, they can be marginalizing, um, and, 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 and can, can isolate these teachers, which, you know, sometimes I I would be willing to bet that they don't even really understand that they're doing. Um, you know, they have a lot of things on their plates and that they might not understand the importance of, of relationships with certain teachers. So the, you know, education might be a, a key place to start here. Um, so so before we close out the segment, uh, any any other um, anything else that you'd like to share about the investigation? Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else uh, you can tell us behind that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Well, I, just getting a little bit more into like the re- results section, which I've kind of glossed over. Um, you know, a few things are... I think I've hit on the marginalization. One thing I think, too, is that uh, one of our other results is that we found that oftentimes... Um, Physical educators felt like the value, the low value of physical education and how school administrators view physical education as a whole contributes strongly into how they view adapted physical education. So, you know, we need strong physical education programs represented and they have, and then school administrators need to value them for adapted physical education to be valued. Um, and so that was something that that came out strongly. Another one that I thought was really, really important to highlight is and this would be unique to adaptive physical education is one of our themes was administrators focused on compliance with mandates over quality practice and adaptive physical education and i think that's an important one to highlight And it's unique and it's the idea is that um you know special education laws and ieps uh every you know everyone knows about them because they're the thing that schools get um called out on the most or the thing that they get lawsuits on the most and they get audited on them so they're a high, um, you know, there's something that are on school administrators' minds because there are financial uh, burdens associated with them is how they might see them. Um, and so what was interesting about that is that, you know, there's this idea of, of IEPs and special ed law is that um, sometimes people just want to hit the very minimum aspect of whatever the law is. Um, that they have assessment data or uh you know that an ap teacher is at the meetings or whatever it is that, that that they're trying to meet of that law of the law um but it sometimes those laws when they're viewed like that from a very neoliberal perspective of only efficiency and financial incentive um it it does not get to what the heart of the law is, is to provide a quality educational experience. And so I, I found that to be really interesting is that, you know, when we talked about the IEP process with these AP teachers, they often felt like that their administrators only, you know, they were only there almost as like a token APE person to meet whatever aspect of the law so they were a check mark versus um being what they're supposed to be is is an active member of the iep team to create this hopefully beautiful kind of program that meets every child's specific needs rather than um you know yeah you're here great job shut up and sit in the back you know um which was you know and again one other aspect is that every one of these themes that we found we found negative cases which again i think is the importance of you know there is um there is context there are different experiences those different experiences often show how important a a good school administrator is to the to their feelings of marginalization exclusion and their own socialization experiences so with that, I think that's the things that I want to highlight that we yeah. did talk about. So,
0: yeah, thank you. Um, so so just just as we get ready to wrap up here, and, and because we're trying to get to know the stories behind the research, um, I find it fun to end with some rapid fire questions to help us get to know you a little bit better. Um, so I've got six categories. Uh, are you comfortable giving me your quickest responses? Sure. Okay. Um, here we go. First category: What's your favorite color? Ooh. Um, I think it's blue. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Like a dark blue, baby blue. Where on the blue spectrum are we? Wearing blue, a dark blue. I think it's actually like a, I
1: think it's, uh, I think it's actually kind of a light blue is what light I like. Light blue. Okay. Okay. Yeah, light blue. Nice. Uh, favorite animal? <laughs> uh, Anteaters, maybe. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a story for why? I once went to the, actually, I've gone to the zoo several times. Um, I got little kids and, um, most several times I've gone, the anteaters are super active and they're like playing with each other. And one time I went and they were like wrestling and stuff in the zoo <laughs> and it was just like something I had not seen before. And it kind of stuck with me. And I was like, what an interesting
0: animal. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Love that. <laughs> um, favorite season of the year. Now that I live
1: in New Hampshire, I think it's the summer. Yeah. Cause we got the ocean and yeah yeah i think before maybe fall or spring but i think i think well ocean and summer
0: yeah uh favorite place on earth favorite place on earth (laughs) um i spent a week
1: in cyprus and i had friends that lived there too so they were like showing me around and um Honestly, yeah, the island and uh, the culture and the water and the food, um, you know, I I think that was, I think that was uh, quite, yeah, I I
0: I would retire there. <laughs> love that, love that. It sounds wonderful. So, last two uh, favorite thing to eat, favorite thing to eat.
1: Um, man, I mean. I think I ought to be fully honest with you. I think like, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a Midwest guy. So I think, you know, burgers, pizza, there we like, go. those are like my, like, I mean, I don't want them to be my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, uh, when I go home, that's, you know, that's, that's the, that's the cuisines. Um,
0: so I try not for those to be my favorite, but <laughs> they are, um, and, and last question, a uh, last rapid fire, uh, favorite drink. Favorite drink. Ooh. I mean, it's probably uh, like coffee.
1: Yeah. Uh, Coffee. I, I have a a mini fridge next to me. I have a whole bunch of sparkling water. Yeah. Really into the bubblies at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so
0: I would say, I mean, you know, those are my, my go-to drinks. Love that, bud. Uh, Yeah. So, so, Scott, thank you again so much for, for joining us on Going Behind the Research. Just as a reminder, um, the show, uh, the, the, uh, the, the article that we talked about today will be linked in the show notes um, and appreciate Risto Martinin for uh, giving us uh, the opportunity to host this segment on the broader uh, uh, podcast um, uh, that he hosts. So, so thank you so much, Scott, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.